Welcome back to the Leverage Podcast. I'm Ari Nizel. And I'm Nick Sonnenberg. And today our guest is Cameron Harrell, who is a COO of When I Got Junk and author of Double Double, and most recently Meeting Suck. So Cameron, it's always nice to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I've had you on before. We've had you on before. So let, let's talk about Meeting Suck. Okay, so what prompted you to write Meeting Suck? I was actually speaking to a client of mine, a CEO that I coach, and I was asking him how their meetings were going. He's like, our meetings suck. I'm like, really? Tell me about it. And he goes, well, they're, they're never on time and people are always chattering and they always run late and we never get anything done and nobody wants to show up. And I said, well, how much training have you ever had on running meetings? He thought about it and he goes, none. And I said, well, how about any of your employees? Like, how much training have you given your employees on how to run meetings? And he said, well, none. I said, then maybe, maybe meetings don't suck after all. Maybe we suck at running meetings. And he started to laugh and he said, well, can you walk me through it? So we spent about a half hour and I realized that most companies have no idea how to run meetings or how to attend them or even how to participate in them. And yet we complain about them all day long. Really the working Bible for all employees at all companies to read to truly run highly effective meetings. That was really the purpose of it. Yeah, I actually read the book and was a big fan of it. And I've experienced this myself where you do need a bit of training on how to run a meeting because if you don't have an agenda or also depending on the audience, you know, a, a meeting with a team of developers should be run completely differently than a meeting with designers or with just regular virtual assistants. So I do think that it, it is a skill and, and a kind of like a lost art that people do need some training. Well, it's interesting when you've actually been to a few highly effective meetings that really you know, progressive, well-run companies, all of a sudden you realize, shit, maybe there is a system here. And I, I had just been very lucky working with some very high-growth, fantastic culture companies over the years, either leading them or participating in their growth really over a period of 15 years. And it, it really gave me the foundation to be able to talk about this. So I've been doing it with my clients for 10 years. And then about six months ago, I decided to release the book and it's getting huge. How much do you believe, uh, in your book, you, you gave some suggestions for structured meetings like you should do this every x days you should do this quarterly how rigid do you suggest people be with their meetings or do you believe that in, in practice it's a bit more flexibly a quarterly goals meeting but others might need it to be monthly or yearly yeah I, i'm pretty rigid for the most part i think you obviously have to iterate a little bit but what i tend to find is that companies start making excuses for why their company is different but what they're really saying is i just don't want to go to meetings because they suck and instead of fixing the problem, they kind of delay the inevitable. So I like putting a regular pulse of the proper meetings in place and running them in the proper amount of time and in a highly effective way with only the critical people at each of those meetings. So then all of a sudden, people are looking forward to going to the meetings that are in their calendar because they're really actually very effective. It's kind of like date night. If you don't put date night in your calendar with your spouse on a weekly basis, you're going to end up a few years down the road and realize you really have no relationship your spouse anymore and then it's too late to do date night. A lot of meetings shouldn't even be taking place in the, to begin with, right? I mean, there's there's certain things that should be dealt with in other manners than a like live face-to-face meeting. Absolutely. And, and I think, again, if you go back to running the right meetings in the right way, in the right amount of time, with the limited amount of people that are necessary in most companies, is they don't run them well, they invite way too many meetings, and nothing really gets are covered. Are there some so, yeah, tools that they suck. you have come across, like, 
do.com or things like that that you suggest people to use for uh, being more effective in running meetings? I haven't seen that one yet, but I'll take a look at it. Basically, the meeting structures that I go back to, the real core foundational basics, can work across any platform without any new technology. I'll give you the basic kind of top 10. Every meeting has to have a clear purpose. Just the one sentence in your meeting notes when you're requesting people as to why you're having the meeting. Every meeting should have a maximum of three outputs. Just what are the three big things we're going to get done? Every meeting has to have an agenda. So what are you covering in what order and how many minutes are you spending on each agenda item? And that'll allow people to know what part of the meeting to show up for or whether they even need to opt into the meeting or can decline it altogether. Every meeting has to start on time. And, and we have to start teaching people that you can't keep showing up saying, sorry, I'm late. What that really means is I'm selfish and I wasn't planning my time properly. You, know, you would never show up for your first date late. So you shouldn't be showing up for meetings late either. You should be showing up five minutes early getting your headset, relaxing, and getting ready for the actual meeting. And if you don't have the ability to show up five minutes early, you shouldn't be accepting the meeting in the first place. But the way that I allow people to show up early is I finish every meeting five minutes prior to the scheduled ending time. And that allows you to walk down the hall, talk to your assistant, get a cup of coffee, sit down at the phone, or sit down in your next meeting so that you are on time for the start of the next one. I also like booking all the meetings for half the time we first think about booking them for. So if you're going to book an hour meeting, book it for 30 minutes and just start controlling the chatter, stick to the agenda, use a parking lot, and you'll actually get all this stuff done. So it kind of it doesn't really require anything fancy, but you just have to start and, and I used to in be in order. finance, not at the bank I worked at, but some other banks, they actually make people clock in and out in the meeting so they can calculate the cost of that meeting. You know, if you have a one hour meeting with a hundred dollar an hour guy and you have four of them, it, that meeting costs you essentially $400. And that's a pretty, I, I mean, that's kind of well, extreme, but yeah, it's, it's um, actually not extreme. I, I did that with um, one of my clients. They have 400 employees and they do a daily huddle. And I was showing them the cost of the meeting, not to say this is why we're not doing the meeting, but so that everyone who's coming to the daily huddle would take it seriously. Um, and yeah, I think it's really important that people understand that roughly one out of every eight hours, so about 12% of your day is usually involved in meetings. If you cross the total organization, people tend to spend one hour a day in meetings. So if you think about you take your total salaries for your company and multiply it by 0.12, that's going to tell you the total cost your company is spending on meetings. If you've got a $5 million salaries, you're really spending $600,000 a year in meetings. You, you better start taking these things seriously. How do you feel about asynchronous meetings? Because in our company, at least, we do have scheduled weekly meetings with the whole team, but out of the communication that we have with the team is asynchronous. So have you found that to be as effective as having in-person? It, it's not, it, it doesn't replace meetings, and here's why. There's a lot of miscommunication that happens because of written communication. So I'll give you an example. If you write down the sentence, I didn't say you were beautiful, just those six words, and you read that sentence and put the emphasis on the first word, I didn't say you were beautiful, it means something completely different if you put the emphasis on the second word, I didn't say you were beautiful. Or the third word, I, I didn't say you were beautiful. Or the fourth word, I didn't say you were beautiful. In fact, that six-word sentence means six completely different things depending on where you put the emphasis. So a lot of the problems happening in companies today are because of the written communication that's going back and forth with Yammer and Slack and HipChat and email and text messaging. And a lot of the miscommunication and frustration that we're having to unwind is because people won't sit and meet face-to-face -face over video or in person well, to actually get their shit done. What if it's video asynchronous? So for instance, we use a tool called Slack and there's an app called Fika, which is integrated into Slack for video 
messages. So in that situation, how do you feel about asynchronous video communication? It, it, again, it depends. I don't think it's going to work, but it's going to facilitate better communication. At the end of the day, if you need four people to get into a room to figure something out, it's going to work faster and more efficiently to have those four people doing it and bashing it out, even if it only takes seven minutes, than doing it over the course of a day and a half in the middle of all the other work. I think we're finding a lot of people being busy being busy and a lot of communication for the sake of communication, but not a lot of work actually getting done and being moved forward. And this yeah. is, these are meeting rhythms that are being used by Google, right? These are meetings that are being used by, by you know, Goldman Sachs, by big, fast-growing current companies. Um, I'm not saying that, that you can't use the current technology tools, not at all. But we need to, when it comes to meetings themselves, we've got to start getting them right again. So on a, like a very high level, what would you say the purpose of a meeting is? You know, like, because I think that, that right there, people have some confusion about the game. The point is that there's no purpose for meetings in general. The purpose is meeting specific. So if it's a coaching meeting, the purpose is to give direction, development, and support to your subordinate. If it's a finance meeting, it might be to review the balance sheet, review the P&L, and review the pro forma cash flow statement to come up with action items to improve profitability. But it depends on a meeting by meeting basis. That also, when you clarify what the purpose and outcome of that specific meeting is, it allows people to say, you know what? I've only got so much time to go around. I'm gonna opt out of this meeting. I'd rather work on this other project that I think is a better use of my time than sitting in on that meeting. And we should be cheering people who opt out of meetings. We should be cheering people who opt out of, out of message threads and news threads because they realize their time is better spent doing something else than being always involved in everything. We've got to stop a little bit of the kumbaya group hug and be okay with people opting out to spend their time on something else. It's like the Navy SEALs. You have to be really, really focused with your time. Now, what's your perspective, though, on meetings when you're running a company that has a physical office and the team is physically all in one place versus like us, we're kind of an extreme case. We don't have an office. We actually, everyone's a contractor. Everyone's remote. So is there a different strategy that we would need to take uh, with meetings versus the typical setup, or do you think that it's still the same? It's actually even more powerful. I coach a number of companies that are 100% remote. One of my clients has got 65 full-time virtual um, people, but another client that operates in multiple countries and multiple cities. It's even more important when you're leveraging technology to run your meetings that you show up on time. It's more important that you end on time. It's more important that you don't waste people's time. It's more important that people are focused in that meeting versus doing three things. So I think there's the, the case for actually running your meetings in, in a proper format um, can even be built on when you're not sitting in person. You know, having a meeting over video is just as impactful as meeting in person. I, I coach all of my CEOs globally. I coach the second in command of Sprint worldwide. Every two weeks, we have a video call with a format, with an agenda, with a structure, but we don't meet in person. I'm not going to fly over all over North America to meet with this guy. Is there ever a meeting that you don't have an agenda for or you don't um, or you wouldn't recommend or they don't feel is necessary to have an agenda or do you think every type of meeting should have an agenda? Yeah, I mean, try to give an example of a meeting that you don't need an agenda. The agenda is basically what are we covering in what order and how many minutes are we going to spend on each item? Not specifically how we're going to get through it. So in a strategy meeting, which is the classic blue sky or a creative meeting, the, the agenda for the creative meeting would, could be it's a 30-minute meeting that will stop five minutes early and we're going to spend 25 minutes on pure brainstorming and throwing shit up against the wall, which at the end of the meeting, somebody will just take down the notes. But that's the, meet, that's the agenda. 
at least we know why we're showing up for it. We know if the decision's being made or but not. Do you need to like write that agenda out and share that agenda with people, or could you just say at the beginning of the meeting, "Hey guys, for the next thirty minutes, we're going to throw shit at the wall"? No, because you want people to opt out of meetings. You want some employee to say, "You know what? I saw the purpose and outcome and agenda. I don't really want to be at that or need to be out there spend my." Hand half hour cranking through this project. And as a leadership, we should be going, shit, I'm so glad that they decided not to be a part. Even though their contribution might be valued, let's value their contribution somewhere else. We, again, have to get away from the kumbaya group hug of always inviting people because we don't want them to feel bad or we always want their contribution. You just, it's about getting more shit done with less people faster. Well, what about like for purposes? You know, like we have a weekly huddle every week with the whole team. And we require everyone to be on that call just so that they can sort of like check in, ask questions and stuff. But now I'm like, I'm almost thinking maybe we should just say what we're going to talk about beforehand and people wouldn't have to go. But I would just, I'd be worried about there being like a disconnect. Well, no, again, you know, at a weekly huddle, we did daily huddles. We had a seven minute all company stand up meeting every single day from 1055 to 1102. It was required that everyone would show up at that. But we had an agenda, two minutes of good news, one minute of um, sharing the numbers and, and what it all means, one minute of updates from the business area, and one minute of missing systems and frustrations. But it was a required meeting. So we thought on that one. So you couldn't opt out of huddle. But there were other, you know, you couldn't opt out of a finance meeting. But a, an ad hoc meeting are more the ones that you're going to opt out of. It's the meeting that's being booked for some purpose to discuss a project that a, an employee might decide to opt out of. Or we might decide, you know what, we don't really need to invite everyone in marketing for this. We're only going to invite three people from marketing. At the end of the day, the company has three resources, people, time, and money. And it's how do you really allocate those three resources for the highest ROI? And the ROI has to either be to drive employee satisfaction, customer satisfaction, profitability, or Makes revenue. Sense. So just to shift gears a bit, we're talking about meetings now, but let's talk about team culture and more specifically keeping team culture with a remote team. I, I, I remember distinctly when we were at Genius Network um, a few months ago, we asked you, you know, what's the secret to success to build a $100 million plus company? And you said culture, culture, culture. So I was just wanted, wanting to, you know, get your thoughts on how do you, how do you sustain and build a team culture in a remote yeah, setting? Yeah, I think, again, it's even more important in a remote setting to really obsess about it because you don't have the benefit of just being able to hang out at the water cooler or go for lunch with people. So you really have to work well. So some of the tools that some of my clients have been using, um, they'll actually sit and do work days where they'll actually all sit on video and just sit and do work with each other. And they won't necessarily even be talking, but the fact that you can see somebody else clicking away in the background, it kind of gives you that feeling of community, which I think is kind of cool. Really having alignment with the vision so that all employees see the vivid vision of the company. They understand where the company is going over the next three years, really making sure that you only hire and recruit A players into the team and you work very hard to get rid of the cultural misfits, the people that are causing the problems and aren't getting their stuff done, aren't honoring core values. That goes miles. Definitely having as much of your communication with other people in the company over video. Um, I love using tools like Tiny Pulse um, where you can actually you know, cheer and high five other people in the company for stuff that's going well. And then for sure tools like Slack. Um, and then again, leveraging tools like Asana and Basecamp where people can see what people are working on and how the projects are moving forward and, and starting to leverage a lot of those tools. I mean, you guys are certainly a lot of the experts on, you know, the automation and a lot of the technology tools that are being used. If we use them for a purpose of driving culture 
and that deciding what your company culture is going to be and then obsessing about driving it is huge. That's that's really great. I mean, that has been, we were very focused on culture, but it's something that we are constantly iterating and trying to improve every day. Anyways, I want to be respectful of your time, Cameron. So just to wrap up, the final question that we ask our guests is, what are three pieces of advice that you could give our listeners to be more effective? You can interpret effective. However. So I use a, an app called Commit to Three, which has been very, very powerful. It's on a daily basis. I commit my top three goals to another business associate. I commit mine to a guy named Joe Polish, and Joe commits his daily top three goals for me. So every single day, we're being nagged to get those top three things done versus all the important stuff and the miscellaneous stuff. So that's one. Um, secondly, is I try to show up and be the, the vulnerable person. I try to actually be open and honest and look for you know, the best systems that other people are using. Instead of me being the smartest guy in the room, how can I learn from everybody else by telling them what I don't know and where I'm going and just taking the best ideas from them? Instead of trying to be that the smartest person, realizing there's amazing ideas out there that other people are doing and how can I R&D that? And then lastly is, you know, none of us are getting out of this alive. This is just what we do to, to make money along the way. But, you know, this is, we, we got to kind of have fun along the way and not take ourselves so seriously. This is just what we're doing to make money. Really, that's really awesome. Um, thank you again for your time, Karen. Where can people go to to find out more about you? So the books, Double Double, Meeting Suck, and The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs are all available on Audible and iTunes and Amazon. And then all of my videos from my speaking events are available at CameronHerald.com. And then lastly is the COO Alliance, which is the only network of its kind in the world for second in commands that I've started about a year ago. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Eric. Want to create more positive leverage in your life? Visit www.getleverage.com to access additional interviews, our blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe to hear a new episode every week. 